1: Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge. Let's go back to 2011 and look at the World Cup with Squidge.
0: So, I've noticed over the course of lockdown that I've started doing this thing where, like, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately and I've noticed that I've began, like, responding out loud to them and, like, not even always just saying, Oh, that's interesting or, or answering a question being asked in my head and just having to do it out loud. I've just started making, like, small talk and just, like, sometimes when people say hello, I've started saying hello back. So I wanted to begin this podcast, firstly, with that explanation. And then I'm going to leave a pause for anyone listening to this to say, hello back when I when I introduce it. So I'm going to say hello. Yes, yes, you did look slightly odd saying that out loud whilst out on your government-sanctioned one walk a day, but thank you for listening and welcome to the Squidge Rugby Rugby World Cup Retrospective Rugby Podcast Rugby, which is a name that's somehow even longer than the ramble I just went on to begin this thing. My name is Robbie, Beacon. you can call me Squidge if, you, if you'd like to, and joining me as ever. Four episodes in, you're saying as ever. I like it, you're very well trained. Uh, but my name... That's not my name, by the way. Uh, my name's Well <laughs> that's, that's a howler by a mum, man. Yeah, it's about like a 20-barrel... What, what's like the word for double or triple when there's 20? I don't know how many words that was, but... 20-barrel, 20, 20 let's just go with that. Um, yeah. And join someone with a third name. Uh, that was a vague link. <laughs> jo- and join swell. We have her on because she has three names. That's the criteria.
1: I feel like the intro could have been worse, guys. Uh, <laughs> Rhiannon, Rhiannon Garth-Jones. Not double-barrelled, just plentiful.
0: <laughs> Copenhagen's finest Burnley's Rug- Wales rugby pass writer, Twitter. Um, there's an introduction. There you go. Um, I have
1: developed quite the niche. I, so yes.
0: Yeah. How, how are things going? How is Copenhagen
1: lockdown? It's not so bad at all, actually. Like, we went into lockdown really, really early compared mm. to everyone else, I think. Like the 12th of March, maybe. Mm. Um, and Danish people are generally very, very law-abiding. Yes. Like, jaywalking is not illegal here, but they will stop you if you try and cross the road. On the left <laughs> man. So the lockdown isn't as strict as it is in the UK, but everybody mm. follows it much better, I think. Yeah. And we're starting to come out now. Mm-hmm. They have opened uh, hairdressing salons and tattoo parlors because everyone okay. knows they are the most important things for society.
0: No, they, they are. They are. I've struggled to get through without having any of my toes tattooed recently. Um, no, I noticed that in Japan as well. Similarly, the when I was in Japan for the World Cup, um, I had the same thing of, no, no, because I didn't go. Uh, shit, I've let the cat out of the bag there. Um, <laughs> you, basically, you don't cross the road if it's on a red light uh, or even a yellow light. You wait until it's green. And anyone that doesn't, it's not even that case of people stop you. It's people stare at you and you very clearly are an outsider. And I think that's worse.
1: Yeah. So like most of the time they will just kind of eyeball you, even Mm. if it's like two in the morning, no cars in sight. But occasionally you do get like quite aggressive people. uh, And this is more so in Sweden who will like full on windpipe you. (laughs) What? Like kind of instinctively just like smash an arm out. To stop you? Oh,
0: not deliberately. Not like WWE. Do you live uh, around uh, the yeah, corner from Sebastian so Valmahina?
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sort of. It's a, there's a Valmahina would be absolutely fine here in many ways. So, apart from his inability to follow the rules, that would be probably People
0: care about politeness enough to be willing to receive an asbo for
1: it. It's not so much politeness. I think it's more just like respect for the rules.
0: Okay. Okay but like just, they just someone for isn't like against their rules
1: but they do apparently not. I don't think they serious harm it's <laughs> just that they're so kind of they're so uh you know like instinctive and urgent about it uh
0: so i mentioned japan oh. and i thought that was going to be a really nice segue into the rugby what oh. we're covering <laughs> it's fine we're it's fine the idea is we're covering every game in the World Cup uh, of 2011, and today's, the fourth game in the World Cup, was France against Japan. So, as a quick moment of context, it's quite easy to get lost in who Japan are and where Japan are now. But at the time, Japan hadn't won a Rugby World Cup match since 1991, when they beat Zimbabwe, and that's the only game they'd ever won up to this point. They came into it against a France team who had done well in the Six Nations. They'd won it the year before, and then it sort of been, I think, the second or third this year. I don't think you can put any tags on this France team, or any no, France team. But it was a particularly mental France team. Yeah. Yeah. Coached by Mark Lievermon, and they went on, spoilers, to make a World Cup final, but it wasn't without their own stuttering and their own complete madness. I'm aware as well, you may be able to hear in the background I've had mice in my flat and I can hear it clattering away because I just caught one before we start recording. And I want to mention that. I want to introduce our other guest, the the mouse. There we are. Okay. Um, just as an explanation, because I can hear it really loud right behind me. It's got a lot to say. Yeah. It's, it's clearly a big really, fan of the Japanese really, front row circa 2011. Yeah. Really, really big fan of Sean Webb, the Japanese fullback. Um, who actually, so there's a moment in the first minute of the game. and I'm just going to begin like this. So Japan had at fullback a guy called Sean Webb, who was one of their four-part Kiwi contingent in this team, uh, now coached by John Kerwin, who is himself a Kiwi. And the commentary kept mentioning as well that his mum was in the crowd.
1: I've, mom, I've written this down because it came up like five or six times. And yeah. at one point they were like hypothesising about how Mrs. Kerwin might be crying. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and they highlighted... Was really they highlighted she's 82 years old. Yeah, How yeah. dare you, John Kerwin, You're putting yourself in a game, and you're putting your mother under stress. What are you at, doing?
1: Like, at one point, Lawrence Delalio was like, "Oh well, like Mrs. Coen can be really proud," and I was like, "This is not the insight yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm particularly looking for." Lawrence That's Delaglio.
0: pretty advanced for Delalio standards. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well,
0: it's it's rare of Delalio to think of a woman in any sense as a human being rather than as an object to be used. But there we go. Also on the commentary, uh, the commentary was provided today by (laughs) Martin Gillingham, Nottingham's Iron, who also commented in the opening game. And in that game between Tonga and New Zealand, he mentioned Nottingham four times. Okay, so I've decided to keep this count up and over his every game in the World Cup, start counting how many times he says the word Nottingham or knots. And today... In France against Japan, it was five. He brought up Nottingham five times. Records.
1: I'm actually surprised and, it's not more because didn't James Arledge play for Nottingham at this point? Yeah, like, yeah. He a natural I think, talking point. He could have sadly, that was
0: his only segue to Nottingham, I think, at this point. But my favourite thing about this is how long do you notice he went before bringing up Nottingham after kickoff between the referee blowing his whistle? Literally the second the the game is kicked off. One second passes before he says the word Nottingham. I'm pretty sure it's the second word of his commentary. He says the Nottingham yeah. fly half kicks off. Yeah. <clears throat> I think
1: just... he must have prepared that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> he begins and he on. means to go on. He gets paid by the Nottinghamshire Council every time he says the word Nottingham or Meadow Lane. <laughs> <laughs> Meadow Lane comes up quite often as well. Yeah, it comes up once or twice. Yeah. Yeah, I doubt he mentions Lady Bay nowadays. No. Okay, so to quickly run through the two teams, the, it's a really fun France team, I think. It's Cedric Haymans, Vincent Sinclair and Maxime Maydard as a back three, who are... <laughs> Say no more. <laughs> absolutely. Maxime
1: like, his sideburns have not aged at all. No. In nine years. He, is, he just looks absolutely identical. I think like, maybe... Like Werewolf. <laughs> Maybe because
0: he's so rooted in the seventies, he will always look like he should be living then, and it yeah, will never age he still beyond. Has a like
1: unchangeable appearance. It's really impressive. Yeah,
0: which I I love. Uh, then they had Aurelien Rougerie, and who is more handsome than I remember? I remember being slightly broken, yeah. but he's actually, a glorious man. He there really was one was, point. Wasn't he? one point in the second half where I couldn't tell if it was Dmitry Zarzeski or Aurelian Rougiery running at one point <laughs> and I thought that's the ultimate compliment to Aurelian Rougiery <laughs> yeah. yeah absolutely they're both glorious men and who I, I'd forgotten about until they started up again Fabian Estebanés at 12
1: yeah, yeah completely forgot he existed
0: yeah big boshy 12 who was actually <laughs> there's, there's also a bit in which I think it's Andy Gomisell on the commentary Says that Ryan Nicholas, his opposite number for Japan, boshed him off. And I heard yes. noshed him off. Like I... <laughs> I mean, I was, I
1: was laughing at boshed him off, to be honest,
0: but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I heard something completely different. But while play was stopped, while they're waiting for the scrum resets, there was something entirely different. From the Joe Mars School yeah. of Conduct. Yeah. John Kerr was an 82 year old mother, just had a heart attack watching <laughs> the
1: crowd. Lawrence Solari was deeply concerned in the uh, in studio. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Not that was jealous. Um, so was Falao. So yeah, then the the French, the French pack was full of bastards. Like it's a wonderfully French. It's kind of the last great proper bastardy French pack we've seen. Mm, it's like yeah. it depends. I think the game of bastardry is changing and evolving at all times. So That's I feel great. like there's a certain type of bastardry to this, which is great.
1: It's like so an additional thing. slant on
0: Bastard. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Like William Servat, what a bastard in the best possible way. Aaron Alder-Key, likewise. Aaron Ordaky, like and again, they had Barcelona starting, but you had Jomartis Poo on the bench. You had Nicola Mas, and like <laughs> if if your name is Poo, you've got to be hard, haven't you? There's no getting <laughs> yeah. away from that.
1: I um, love Nicolas Mas. I was so excited when I realised he was playing in this game. He's
0: great. And again, both their second rows, Julian Pierre, Lionel Nalle, who both scored tries, as did Pascal Pape when he came off the bench. Mad. Who were two of them are bastards and one of them is a shithouse. And all three, actually, all three which of them are shithouses. Which? All three of them are shithouses, but only two of them are bastards.
1: Shithouse comes with a certain amount of wit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> are you like saying he-
0: that is the one who's not a bastard? Oh, is definitely a bastard. Nalle is yeah. the most Which one isn't a them. bastard?
1: Pascal Pape. Pape is just a shithouse.
0: Yeah. I think Pape ventures into dickhead territory rather than bastard.
1: <laughs> yeah. His categories I'm so I'm area confusion. This. so many nuances. <laughs> okay, my entire podcast just on the level. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: hypothetically, he's what's Alan Wynne Jones? Because I think he qualifies as a shithouse, but he's not a bastard and he's not a dickhead.
1: He's a cynic. Uh, yeah. He is a cynic.
0: Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. And a shit house. Yeah.
1: yeah. (laughs) Right. His cynicism means that he kind of rises above sort of average level of bastardry and and dickheadery, I think.
0: I like that. I like that. Also, God applies. Um, The algorithm is weird for this. (laughs) (laughs) The Japanese team had Luke Thompson opposite him, who is a. See, okay, I think Luke Thompson just about qualifies on like the lowest level of bastardry in the best sense of bastardry, but I don't think he yeah. hits any of the toes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's not someone who you look at. You look at that Japan team and think he's probably the biggest bastard in the pack. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't put him in another team and define him that way. Like he wouldn't, yes. he wouldn't call the bastard. If he That's was a
0: very team. interesting point in terms of because yeah. I mean you've got. Yohorees and guess Kikitanis and a very young Michael Leach, which was yeah. a bizarre thing to look at. And they don't walk the line of bastardry, but they're on the edge again, as you say. So yeah. not quite the same level as Luke Thompson, though. He pushes that boundary. So
1: can we just like, the he's really under designated bastard, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's trying really hard.
0: You need that in your second row. You need bastard. You've got a little C next to Kikitani's name, being captain, and next to Thompson's name, you've got D B meaning dedicated bastard. (laughs) Uh, can I just so the really young Michael Leach, because he looks weird, doesn't he? It was very weird. He's aged well, I think. Yeah, he's grown into his face. It was weird about a minute into the game seeing that that skinny lad playing open side looks bizarrely like Michael Leach. Yeah.
1: Because... It was really funny, actually, this team had, like, four, because it's so, like you said earlier, it's so, so mm. hard to look at anything they did without the, like, lens of hindsight.
0: Yeah.
1: Especially because of lots of the stuff that they did. But, like, it's really interesting that four of that team yeah. were just this team in the last World Cup. Like, Tanaka's yeah. there, Jota Horis there, Leach, and, uh, yeah, and mean Thompson, like, that's mad. Yeah. But eight years on, they were, like, kind of finally living the dream.
0: Yeah, yeah i had a weird sort of moment of realization because i looked at this game and kind of thought like i mean i remembered what happened but i sort of thought well i need to cast my mind to the time when japan weren't very good mm. and then during this game i increasingly realized japan weren't that bad were mm. they which is a weird transitional phase i guess
1: oh i think that like this team looks a lot like and you know if you like watching them you're like oh i see how all of this happened yeah like i see yeah. how you got good yeah like you can see you the kind, kind, of... To kind of perfect these things
0: It's like a lot of it's working, but like their bore attention isn't quite there. And there's a few bits like that, like their decision making at times isn't quite there. And you can kind of quite
1: slicking off and No. Yeah. I point. found that so this not like, practiced enough I guess
0: But yeah I found that their patterns of play were pretty good usually yeah. but sometimes they'd struggle to maintain that over two or three phases yeah. and because Tanaka was providing such quick ball mm. suddenly they'd go oh no when he's getting to phase I'm, like, immediately yeah. and anybody outside Arledge would certainly go oh wait sorry I'm not deep enough like, or I'm not so, wide enough whatever like, I don't know where I okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: the, there was just, a bit where I kind of hadn't clocked it was Tanaka or like I could just mm. space out for a minute and I was like, like who's this 12 year old what a fantastic like, supply line of amazingly fast-con-large Japan having <laughs> that on It's
0: just the same guy. <laughs> same one. He's been there forever. He's wonderful forever. as well. He was he so good. Stuff, right? There's a bit as well where he just taken two quick taps on Japan penalties in a row. And then literally as one of his forwards comes over and grabs him by the shoulders as a penalty's given and pulls him back. Like, just so that he can't get the ball to his feet. so that He, he drops was it playing instead. like a kid on sugar, wasn't he? Yeah. The whole game with his clinical yes. quick tab addiction.
1: <laughs> the bit where he gets stuck, he gets stuck at the bottom of a rug and immediately, mm. like, I think maybe it's Arliss that steps in or someone does and they mm. just, like, immediately fuck it up. And the commentator's like, I oh, yeah, should have waited for Tanaka to get back out there. I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll try and do anything without him, guys. Like, oh, Always. You... Sort of fair. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Always wait for Fumi. That's my, new, my new motto. Yeah. I've got about four points I've just written the words Fumi in all caps, which isn't helpful when you're looking back over notes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like <laughs> the try, uh, so the Dukes' try, the interception try, is entirely because of the sheer speed of ball that Fumi's giving them. And it gets them yeah. going forward to such a degree. And it's so weird to look at it now because they're playing so flat. Like, yeah. Arledge runs and, this loop and he's basically on in the defender's face like he's he's right there as though he's carrying it in and it makes it really easy for them to read and intercept this is just as people were learning what line speed meant as well yes. so tron could yeah. just shoot up and take the ball from yeah. what was a very telegraph move in the end because it's that thing where they discovered line speed in defense but they hadn't yet discovered depth in attack mm. And so yeah
1: there's sort of the combat yeah that had not arrived so Speaking that... of, I have written in capitals in my notes at least twice. Hands, yes. exclamation mark, and Tanaka. <laughs> <laughs> Is that hands
0: positive or negative?
1: Oh, definitely positive if it's in caps, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. And for Japan.
0: Yeah. Oh, there's a few moments of really lovely Japanese handling. And there's a few moments where the one pass away.
1: Mm. Yeah. And things like there's... a. Uh, over which prop it was, but one of the props chipped ahead and it, like, oh, Horier, uh, yeah. horier yeah, yeah, actually, like, a bit of a fuck up, but it was just such a beautiful thing <laughs> yeah. to watch. And it's the and fact it went that wrong, you... but the skill was there, it was amazing. It's, it's a, a for proper of...
0: banana kick as well, exactly.
1: As I was going to say, yeah. it's a full-on like... his body. Hernandez banana kick
0: right yeah, he <laughs> turns his body and yeah, yeah, yeah. he drops the ball on the inside of the boot so it curves back in on the bounce it's the kind again, of thing it's... where
1: like absolutely criminal that it didn't come out for him like just such an impressive yeah. piece of story I'm yeah like, oh, I'm so sad for you again girl. it's
0: we were talking in the last game, the Fiji Namibia game, about suddenly you realise the cameras are on you and everybody's watching. And Horia mm-hmm. just kind of thinks like, right, I've practiced this in training enough times. This is my first game in the World Cup yeah. where everyone's watching me. If I don't show this off, I will not be able to sleep tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like this is happening. This <laughs> and at that point, young Hooker, it's not quite like the comfort of him to try it against Ireland when he tried that little grubber last year. Yeah, but yeah, this one, Island. yeah. This one, just bam, no thumping it. I'm going for the fanciest cake possible. I can remember at the time we compared it. We just said like he's just a wannabe. What Bruno Driscoll doesn't realise he's wearing two on his back. Yeah. <laughs> so I, the reason I ask about hands good or bad because so Japan <laughs> running through the team. They had these four Kiwis in the side, right? Who were James Arledge, the fly half. Who also I looked this up. When Dan Carter made his first start in Super Rugby, age 21, his opposite number was another young Kiwi fly half by the name of James Arledge. Wow.
1: Mm, that's
0: mad. Can you imagine, going into that game going, oh, we've got to battle these two great young Kiwi 10s. <laughs> <laughs> One of these could be battling for the all black shirt for years to come. Not realizing no, one of them goes on to be the greatest fly half to have ever played the game, and the other one's one Dan Carter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dan Carter's only been to Nottingham once. James Arledge, however. That's, yeah. They, that's it. That's James the Arledge went to Japan, played there for a few years, and then signed for the Dragons. Um, yes. Yeah, played for the Dragons for what, two or three much. years. Great yeah. yeah. And he was all right. I remember him scoring a try against Gloucester. That's my one main memory of him playing for the Dragons. Nice. Yeah. I remember him missing a conversion against Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. Who wins? Rihanna, decide for us. i was Which is a better Your no memory.
1: Uh, Gloss- uh, Gloucester are funnier than Edinburgh. Okay. That's, That's true. Intrinsically. That's true. Like, conceptually. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I'll <laughs> it to you. I promise. <laughs> i <even> you yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So the interesting thing, as well, about James Arledge is so I realised as well when I was quickly googling him whilst watching this game that he played in his professional. He played for uh, I think it was Northland. Yeah, Targo in Super Rugby. Fight, whatever. Who cares? Discard that. From that point onwards, he played for Osaka. He played for Nottingham, and he played for. Dragons in Newport, and I realized he must be the only player who every team he's played for in his kind of senior professional career. I've stayed and slept overnight in that town. That's because I was like, that's impressive. Because I once slept on a church hall in Newport, you did, I can confirm, and this. I grew up in Nottingham. And... His answer
1: right there, yeah, <laughs> it's not an <laughs> it's impressive stat, <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not an impressive thing to have done. But you know, that's 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 my little tie to James Arledge. I feel a personal connection to this average fly half. Yeah. Uh,
1: but he was basically I'm to be in the pub quiz where this comes up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Arledge was basically it was basically just him and Kikitani were the only players that we really knew going into this game. Yeah. So we didn't really know what to expect from this Japan team, safe to say. So you had Endo who scored two tries in the last World Cup. He scored one against Wales and one against Canada. So there's a few players, you know, Onizawa had been in the Japan oh, team yeah. for years and he scored like a billion tries against the Hong Kongs of the world and the kind of lower-ranked Asian teams. As you say, it was quite a mixed Japan team. As, yeah, so I was, I, as I was, I began saying like half an hour ago, the, the four Kiwis in that, that team, you had James Arledge, you had Sean Webb at fullback, who I'd kind of forgotten about. Yeah. But... He kind of summed up again this this thing of like, and I remember someone saying this to me when I was in Japan, which I haven't mentioned I ever went to. In that Japanese rugby has this real obsession with New Zealand, and they kind of view New Zealand as like the the peak of rugby, and they kind of automatically assume that you know he'd played like lower league rugby, and they'd assumed a Kiwi coming into the team was better than a Japanese player just on merit. Such as Murray Williams on the bench. (laughs) Exactly. So he had Murray Williams and Sean Webb. And like Sean Webb's first touch of the game, France kick it back and he catches the ball and he has like 30 yards and he literally just jogs (laughs) right into Aaron And like, he doesn't (laughs) even build up ahead of steam. He just jogs into Aaron All the
1: players to aim for (laughs) as well.
0: And he has time as well to weigh up where he's going to run. And like, there's space out wide. And he goes, no.
1: Anywhere no, no. But yeah,
0: that big Basque shithouse. I want him. I want to run into <laughs> him.
1: <laughs> except, impression.
0: except I think it gets even worse in terms of the, the calibre of the Kiwi players they're bringing in. Because at 12, they had a lad called Ryan Nicholas. And I want to give you a stat that I picked up on from the game. Ryan Nicholas made six carries, he made six passes, and he made six knock-ons. Does that mean he's six times as good as Tal Felice? <laughs> yeah. So Ryan Nicholas was fascinated because I kinda looked at him and I was like That's
1: remarkable.
0: I was trying to 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 to, to think about this as like, imagine the selection meeting. Where they bring in and like, okay, we've got we've got two options to play ten, right? One of them can catch the ball. He's like, okay, okay, I like it, I like the idea, I like the idea. It's core fundamental of rugby. I like the idea of having a twelve who can catch the ball. Yeah, and they went, okay, we've got who's the other lad? Who's the other contender? And he goes, okay, um, so he's a Kiwi. Uh, he doesn't have a opposable thumbs, but he was born in Otago. And they go, <laughs> that guy, him, we need that lad. 12.
1: He sounds quality. I want the guy straight in the team yeah. straight
0: in the team bizarrely <laughs> I didn't notice that he knocked the ball on that many times I thought he actually played
1: fairly well Nicholas
0: yeah. so <laughs> yeah, a, I, those
1: really good kicks for um, one of them up definitely being that 6 knock knock-on level but there's so he knocked on about three well, times there were a lot of knock-ons in this game yeah, yeah. he also but like it's he not even alone.
0: oh no it's Tron do. I was mixing, I just assumed the moment of shit handling was him. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't, it was Tron Duke, but there's a moment in which Tron Duke turns his body to try and pass, oh. do like an out the back pass, and he just drops the ball behind him. My <gasps> favourite thing is, you can audibly hear Steve Walsh laughing at him when he does <laughs>
1: it. Yes. Oh, I miss well, Tronduke, I'm trying man. to like keep his mouth slipped.
0: <sighs> so there's the, the, this point as well, Steve Walsh, great to see him, as always. Yeah, I'm missing but no beard. Clean shaven Steve. Weird, isn't it? I know. And I couldn't see the tattoo either. No. Mm.
1: His hair was very silky though, like he specially mm, conditioned it. It looked lovely. It was. Yeah. yeah.
0: I'd admire him on the big screen.
1: Like he admires himself. Exactly. <laughs> I did notice that as always he I mean obviously he always really enjoys being in the centre, but like the mm. way he was dismissing the physios <laughs> every time they came on, like, good. Don't allow time-wasting, Steve, but perhaps <laughs> just check if they are dealing with a real injury before you sort of like shoo them off. Yes, <laughs> and he made Estebanes go <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> but not allowing them to bring somebody on. She's like, just go oh, with yeah. it.
1: Classic yeah. Steve Walsh. Just like, I have no <laughs> yeah. time for this shit. Don't interrupt the Steve Walsh show with your minor injury. <laughs> Get off the
0: page. And speaking of the Steve Walsh show, in that way that... Steve was committed to making the game flow at the expense of the rules. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that... Steve rules were being played. <laughs> France's first try, which was finished by what's his face? Julian Pierre. Yeah. Which is I'd completely forgotten about and is kind of extraordinary to watch. It's great. <laughs> about six Japan players got go rucking <laughs> so far they forget <laughs> about the ball. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Japan go to clear out over the ball. Like, it's a really good contest. They technically perfect everything. They get over the, they get over the ball, but they get so far over the ball that they leave it behind. They just abandon the ball. <laughs> My favourite thing I noticed on a replay is you can see Michael Leach stepping in at Scrum half behind. And he kind of looks down. He's the first person to realise they've stepped over Maxime Madar, who had the ball, and they've just let it go. And he turned around like, what were you pricks doing? <laughs> What's that? And he sort of just looks at them and he kind of throws his arms out in a like disbelieving shrug. Have you really just did that? you just let him make a clean break because our entire defence has rucked over and forgotten where the ball was? <laughs> Lads, this is the World Cup. Come on. <laughs> basics, guys. The basics. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing we've been preparing for for months. Yes. This is what you've been working for for and you can't spot where that bloody egg thing is on the floor.
1: <laughs> so they were just too caught up in like finally winning a game so that no one talked about their one and only victory yeah came <laughs> up about eight times oh yeah yeah but that... I felt very bad for the Japan fans by the end mm.
0: it's just as well they're speaking Japanese rather than they not maybe they just all want to hear about Nottingham maybe that's what the Japan fans are there for
1: no the yes, and so may... Nottingham
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and Michael no John Kerwin's 82 year old mother
1: Mrs. Kirin yeah. I say. yeah
0: Maidow then, like, without releasing the ball, just picks it up and starts running again in like a can't believe his luck moment. There's a bunch of offloading, a bunch of stuff. And then on the floor, yards out, Yashvili offloads it, and so one of the French players drops it, and Yashvili just picks it up again while he's lying on the floor, still held, and pops yes. it up to Julian Pierre, of course. <laughs> so Steve Walsh misses the same law being broken twice in the space of 30 seconds, but 30 meters apart.
1: Like Steve Walsh just doesn't accept it's so a law if it's a good. Yeah, bad.
0: yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. Just fair enough. Which I like. At that point, though, if you're like Immanuel Arunordikey or like uh, Helani or somebody like that, surely you just think, well, if I'm allowed to just keep going with the ball mm. and somebody tackles me, I just get up and keep going, and just apply that for the rest of the game. I mean, yeah, well,
1: that's absolutely what you should do with Steve Walsh in charge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Steve see Walsh. How long it lasts.
0: <laughs> Steve Walsh should always be in charge. Yep.
1: Yeah. Cause he can control himself, see. And
0: he therefore yeah. controls the game.
1: Yeah.
0: It's deep that. It's really, <laughs> it's really quite deep deep.
1: Profound. We should all take a moment, really.
0: Yeah, remember Steve.
1: For business. It's like he died. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's worse.
0: He's sat <laughs> there somewhere and we can't admire him.
1: we can't admire him. And he can't admire himself
0: on a big screen in front of eighty thousand. Are uh, there big screens in business? I don't think there are in Maybe the rugby, he is definitely are. Maybe that's what he's doing Maybe he started a big screen business So that he can true. just start up staring at himself Maybe it comes
1: with like a sound system So you can pretend that there are in fact eight thousand people Yes right. Yeah. Atmosphere around you. Maybe he's always
0: in like Skype meetings So he can always just look at himself That's true Oh can you imagine Steve Walsh in lockdown? This is a separate sitcom isn't it? Yeah That is the lockdown TV
1: show we all need
0: I think <laughs> Um, to then touch on a few of the other tries. So James Arledge himself scores two. Dan Carter, previous day in the World Cup, didn't score one. So who's the best fly-off? Yeah, Carter's rubbish,
1: confirmed. He's the best? Well, Arledge's yeah. just... first try was hilarious. Like, so... Absolute credit to him for having like the instincts to recollect the ball. Was it just Yeah. Because <laughs> off, off the, the best thing is,
0: that grubber kick is never on. Like, there's no space behind mm. there. That it just kind of bounces into his hand and somehow opens up a gap to the try line. <laughs> so, for anyone that really didn't see it, like it's about five, ten metres out from the line. Yeah. Arlidge goes for this pointless-looking grubber kick. As you say, it wouldn't have worked. wouldn't have come off. And it just ricochets off one of the French defenders back into his hands and he goes, oh, right, and he just scores.
1: Yeah, There's a slight change of direction to his threat, <laughs>
0: yeah. which makes it work. And yeah, good instincts, but just what? And do you want to know the funniest thing about that? Is that Andy Gormasol on the commentary compares him to Benji Marshall.
1: <laughs> what? There's what? some truly golden moments on the commentary for this?
0: <laughs> There's also, though, his finish in really diving around, uh, who would it be, would it be? H- Cedric Heyman? Whoever the cover is for France. Yeah. Uh, he really goes out of his way to dive over it. You then compare that to Leon O'Nally's try in the second half. Where you've kind of got Nalysis on the end of this move, and he's got like twenty yards unopposed on this side of the line. He can dive on the left, he can dive on the right. He's got one defender in front of him, and obviously he goes head down and straight into the guy. He's got he grounds Ooh. him, then the ball. <laughs> yeah. I can go round him, I can go <laughs> under him, but I'm gonna go through him, which We're is going... an
1: absolute shithouse thing to do oh, when scoring a country. Take, take a man out with you pointlessly unnecessarily just you know impose yourself that's perfect ab- shithead absolutely glorious shithouse and bastardry there
0: what I think was weird about that try was that Vincent Clair was the man who stepped sudden 10 and set it up hmm. and like I have realised I don't think I've ever seen Vincent Clair pass the ball before no and like Vincent Clair does pass the ball are you thinking the same thing yeah. No, 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 no. I was thinking. No. I was
1: just. Uh, I was thinking when he did pass the ball. I was for a second. I thought Van Sinclair was playing at twelve, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck is it with France and playing people in mental positions?" <laughs> yeah. along. And I had like a whole three minutes to myself getting really angry. And then I was like, "Oh no!" Looking at just, where he's playing. Yeah. Where are you <laughs> stood, like, Van Are you playing <laughs> seven? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm with Will. I'm not used to seeing him pass the ball. So there is a
0: moment in which Van Sinclair passes the ball. Where he takes it, he then runs like properly laterally sideways, right from the touchline, and he's stood literally on the touchline. As he takes the ball right into over past the midway point, and then he spots the space right out on the other wing, and he goes to throw a pass, but just chucks it along the ground, and he's achieved nothing in the space of about twenty seconds. He's run sideways and then throwing the ball at the floor.
1: Maybe this is why he doesn't normally pass the ball. Maybe he's under instructions. He's
0: that's exactly it. Ball. True. Yeah. yeah probably a good idea
1: like, even if it's on that song it's not on <laughs> <laughs>
0: like, it will not be on if you do it stick to what you do which is quickly putting that ball down in that corner yeah yeah. which he did he scored one of them tries which I think yeah. is really interesting because that is a move that would work nowadays yeah that was a proper 2015 try I reckon yeah because in the first two games we saw just a regular forward shape of these days as we've talked yeah. before called back for crossing. It was that one. Obviously, Steve rules. You can basically (laughs) do do whatever you want. want, Yeah. Yeah. But they ran that normal move. No crossing called. And guess what? It's a really good way of creating an overlap. People (laughs) should start doing this more. (laughs) And I like that then Andy Gomez says, often that'd be called back for obstruction. And Well, actually, it wasn't really obstruction because you're allowed to stand your ground. And that's why referees have come on to not give that as obstruction.
1: Yeah,
0: But it was interesting that that was the... That was the thing. That was what people felt. People felt, oh, that's a problem. You yeah, can't.
1: It was particularly weird to hear that, like, anything might have been called for obstruction.
0: Be yeah. because like, what? It just looks like a normal try now. It just looks like, you know, they've they forwards, yeah. screen out the back. Backs do some nice stuff. They target the 13, bam, Vincent Claire scores in the corner. The only bit that doesn't work in 2019 is Vincent Claire It's Claire
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you never know, to be honest, like...
0: Oh, yeah. As long as he isn't passing, he probably fill in. He probably fall in. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe he should now be a 12. Now he's going to step in as a... Like Ryan Nicholas has shown you don't need to have hands to play 12. So
1: <laughs> Just run forward. Yeah. As long as you
0: drop the ball in a way that's useful. <laughs> yeah. That Ryan Nicholas did again. We spoke about Jacques Berger before. Mm. He, he did. I think it was Nicholas did another really impressive knock-on, the sort where you make about six yards just from throwing the ball so impressively far forwards and away from where all the French cover is. <laughs> um, There's a certain
1: genius I always think it would be to incompetence. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the sort of the chaos that comes from it, like a true sort of incompetence against like an actual organized team where they're just like, I I don't know what this is, I don't know how to deal with this. Like what what is happening in front of me? <laughs> you just get some absolutely brilliant moments, especially in World Cups when that happens. I love- and I feel like Ryan Nicholas is a great example.
0: Ready to pop the question? And it's also mm-hmm. kind of this entire France team, in that they're just beautifully incompetent and mad, and yet often they just do—they just kind of disappear, or they just do nothing in like a. Right. Do you Do you mind if I go on a long tan a potentially long tangent? Please do. Or a different Please tan- do. Yeah. Okay. Follow up thoughts about France. So. <laughs> so what this France team reminds me of, right? Is I'm gonna assume I don't <laughs> neither of you have ever seen the classic of Thai cinema that is Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives. No. only well, you should say, no, I haven't. No, okay. <laughs> okay. Um... <laughs> neither <Nine, laughs> of you have seen Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives, which is the title, that's the title of the film. Like that's not a Wikipedia summary. It's, that's it's the, title. It's, the you title
1: should pause here in case there are listeners who have heard it and want to yell out like yes, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <yeah. laughs>
0: Yeah. I love Uncle Boon Me who can recall his past lives. The director's <laughs> got an insane name as well. He's he's um I'm gonna check it. Um uh, Murray Williams. While I'm <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the director is called Appichat Pong There you go. That is that is, that is quite a name. name. Yeah. Um name. So the film Uncle Boon Me Who Can Recall His Past Lives, right? So it's a film about a guy called, Where the called is going? Boon Me, right? And he can recall his past lives. Except they never actually explain that he can recall his past lives. And also, like, naming your film like that is like calling your film Captain America who sometimes throws his shield. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's too on the nose a description. And also, like, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have a nephew or niece, so I'm not sure why his uncle Boon Me. But, you know, anyway... So it's like, yeah, calling That's him. honorific, yeah, yeah, yeah. My cousin's mate, Steve Rogers, who sometimes throws a shield. So yeah. Anyway, Uncle Boomy, who's, who can recall his past lives, right? And there's so the the film is like is really slow. It's like the first five minutes of the film are just shots of a cow, and it's just like a cow walking around a field. How the <laughs> hell does this link to France against
1: the twenty
0: eleven? It's,
1: it's going to get there. I'm tired. <laughs> So
0: yeah, it's just this cow walking around, you. and then like it cuts to a shot of a demon monkey, right?
1: The
0: cow um, from Claire? <laughs> 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 that cow represents Fabian Estebanes. No, um, that cow grew up to become Antoine yeah. Pont. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the so the the film's really slow, and like there's all these long shots of like just him sitting around and just being talking to this woman, and just being like you know. Oh, I've got this this mate who came from another country, and he's like, "Oh yeah, what's he like?" He's always like, oh, he's fine. He's gone to town to buy something, you know. It's just like them having like almost small, the kind of small talk I like to have with people on podcasts, back and forth, you know, that kind of thing. Of just like nothing happening, it just be like ten minutes if you just you sat and it's like locked off, one shot, like no cutting away, no cutting into close up or anything. Of just these two people having like really boring conversations, and then there's one scene again, like twenty minutes into the film or something, uh, which is like two shots in. You know, we've only seen one cow at this point, in which there's like a dinner scene, and there's these two guys and this woman sat around having dinner and they're just chatting about nothing at all. And it's like, it's kind of boring. And then out of nowhere, a ghost appears in an empty seat and it just like fades in over this shop. It's been there for like three minutes and this ghost just appears. And Uncle Boo Me is like, oh, it just Boo Me. And he's not my uncle. He's like, whoa, that's my dead wife. She's just appeared as a ghost. Why has that happened? And his dead wife's like, oh, I felt like it. You know, I fancy popping back. And he's like, oh, cool. That's good. It's good to see you. That's great. Uh, and they have a bit of a chat, but not like profound things, just like, like, oh, yeah, the rice is good tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I spent ages cooking it. And then a demon monkey comes up the stairs, <laughs> just just out of nowhere. Just this demon monkey walks up the stairs. <laughs> um, and <laughs> i ask you now, do you think I've made this film up? Yeah, I was about to, I was <laughs> about to question that. Little, uh, did you dream this no this is a real i'm sure this is a i've seen it this is a real film it's in <laughs> it's in Thai. it's got subtitles so it's important <laughs> um, and so there's a this demon monkey comes up the stairs and everyone's like whoa it's a demon monkey what's this this massive terrifying demon monkey doing here and the demon monkey's like no it's, it's okay it's okay I'm, I'm not scary and they're like well, I think you are. You're like a demon monkey with red eyes. And then the demon monkey's like, no, it's me. I'm your son. And he's like, no, because my son isn't a demon monkey. You know, I think I know my son. And he's like, no, I'm your son who disappeared like 10 years ago. I've become a demon monkey. John and-, <laughs> and it's John Kirwin's mum. And the... <laughs> <laughs> the, the demon monkeys sort of then, like, he sits down and he begins talking about it. And, like, he's like, Well, why are you a demon monkey now? I don't get why my son became a demon monkey. And he says, Well, so I got really into photography. And he's like, Right, okay. You
1: know both head in hands here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Does> so, everyone <laughs> listening?
0: And so he begins, like, I He's can't like, one day I was just taking a bunch of photos and I took one of a demon monkey. I was like, oh, cool. That's a demon monkey. I'll follow that. I take loads of photos. So I became obsessed with these demon monkeys. And he's like, right, okay, that's that's cool. I'm glad you got hobbies, son, but that doesn't explain why you're a demon monkey now. He says, oh, right, well... Um, <laughs> um, continue. Are we over halfway through this story yet? <laughs> Let's keep going. Um, Let's find out. We're like 20 minutes into the film. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you tuned into this rugby podcast to hear like... Beat by beat recreations, play by plays of Thai cinema. Yeah, and the demon monkeys like, well, it all happened because i mated with one of them, one of the demon monkeys. And he's like, oh right, okay, that's cool. And he's like, yeah, I took one of them as my wife. And he's like, oh, congratulations, son, well done. I'm, I'm really happy for you. Um, and it sort of goes on like that. That was a bit where a woman is in the water oh, crying. Now, now
1: you're light on specifics. <laughs> <laughs> God <I promise. laughs>
0: she's like crying about how ugly she is to like an empty river out loud and then she has this voice that's like hey i think you're dead fit and then she's like well who said that And he's like it's me i'm a fish and so she has this conversation with a fish who's like i think you're really pretty and then she walks into the water to meet the fish and the fish is gone and then she just starts floating in the water and then she has sex with the fish and grows gills and so, so the film Uncle Boom Me, who can recall his past life, right? I think is an awful lot like this France team
1: because. Oh my god. It's. The in stages. way to make the point that this France team are mad. In, right, okay,
0: no, because in stages, this France team is really dull and, like, in all sense of the word, they're they're inaccurate, they're boring to watch at points. They just do nothing; like nothing is happening for large stages when they've got the ball. But you're so captivated by it because they sound like nothing was happening. (laughs) They're
1: completely mad. But that's it
0: because because like because the film is like two hours long, right? And most of it is just shots of cows doing nothing and just people talking about like rice and shit like that and just nothing. But then every now and again, a ghost will appear or a demon monkey will talk about like how into photography it is or just something like a woman loves sex with fish and grow gills, and just mad shit happens, that you're kind of captivated by it, and it ends up, the end result is weirdly beautiful. And I'd never recommend the film Uncle Boomy Who Can Follow His Past Life, even though I quite like it. I wouldn't recommend it, because the, like, the, it's, it's actually really quite boring for the most part. But because there are these moments that work in it, you're kind of captivated by it and fascinated by it, and that's how I feel about this friendship. I mean, I think
1: Ooh. there is a point in there, <laughs> that's quite to the point that I planned to make about four years ago It would have been short I ever heard of this film
0: to just watch the film Uncle Boon Me who can recall you his past lives do you
1: guys imagine... remember we
0: were talking about James Arledge's grubber kick
1: <laughs> doesn't that
0: feel like a month ago
1: <laughs> this is like a sort of meta version of lockdown and that we have managed to exponentially extend this time <laughs> <laughs> No one now has any idea what the fuck is going on. So I thought that was
0: important look I, I've been I've been, you what? Out, I've been like pulling aside like Brett Goldstein and all the hosts of the podcast I've been listening to and going hey can I just talk to you about the Thai <laughs> film Uncle Boon Me who can record his past lives and all of them have been saying like most of them can't hear me because they're on podcast they're not real they recorded it ages ago most of them can't hear me but whenever I ask them that question they just say no and I can hear it. And I need to get that out of my system.
1: You just put it on two people who can't who have to listen to you. <laughs> yeah, am glad we could oblige.
0: It's the only reason we're doing this this thing. The only reason we're recording this is... You can vent
1: your various obscure cinema references. Exactly. More... So that I can talk about demon, <laughs> demon monkeys.
0: So which match from the pool stages are we going to replace with an episode on Ponyo? <laughs> 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 oh, just you wait. Just you wait until I get into like... The moment I compare the entire French squad each to which Eric Romer movie are they? Which is, but because all of Eric Romer's films are basically people talking about how they're thinking stop about having a right there. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, um, so uh, does someone else want to talk about rugby? Say, I was going to say that as a collective, this French team are shit. <laughs> Very uh, eloquently put, really. And As individuals, they are occasionally fantastic. Uh, so they're not so much a Jekyll and Hyde team as they are not a team. Yes. Just a bunch of random, individually excellent players who occasionally take it upon themselves to do something. Which <laughs> I would say... In this game, but also throughout this whole tournament, I think. Mm. like In every game, one or two players were just like, I will deal with this bullshit, get out of my way. Yeah. Well, yeah. They didn't do that, and then they lost. I think
0: <laughs> I'm going to throw out somebody who I think was particularly this was particularly telling for, was Morgan Parra. Yes. <laughs> when he came on out of position at 10 to fix this mess.
1: So, yeah. I had this They sport. looked a lot better with Morgan Parra at 10, which made me really Weirdly they did. I emotionally yeah. hate Morgan Parra. Why do you hate Morgan Parra? I think I hold him responsible for the semi-final game. Ah. Uh, uh, I okay. think, like, I've sort of emotionally processed the semi-final and not blamed anybody... Except for, well, no, I mean, I haven't, obviously, because I like have violent fantasies where I inflict harm on Morgan Power. But <laughs> uh, in terms of the Welsh players, I have processed it. I don't hold any of the mistakes against anybody. Mm. It's mm. all fine. These things happen, except that I hate Morgan Power more than any individual has to hate. in all time.
0: I quite like, he was a lot. he was good. I quite like Morgan Power for the reason that he is oh. so hateable. Because he is like he takes all, despite he takes all the second row boxes of shit, out bastard, dickhead, all of them. French, yeah, <laughs> and the most French important,
1: yeah. From half, these are all things that I would normally kind of admire about him in a sort of amused, you on an soul way. Mm. <laughs> Instead of the like distilled pure hatred that I feel So can I just say it so by apologize the way? to paraphrase. <laughs> <laughs> I realise it's unreasonable. I'm sorry.
0: Can, can we call them parasites? Yes. Big fans of Morgan Parra. There you go. Yes. Coin that. Can I just say uh, why? Why on this film podcast? I everyone just talked about rugby for the last five minutes because <laughs> I think most <laughs> of the runtime has been dedicated so far to Thai cinema. <laughs> Let's not prolong you, that tradition. Need to get back
1: to obscure, obscure films. Sorry. I'm yeah. No. <laughs> uh, also related to your insanely rambling uh, analogy. <laughs> is that France managed to score six tries in this game. And they had two tries disallowed. And yet the overwhelming feeling is that they very nearly lost the game and were generally remarkably incompetent. The most amazing vibe to give off in a game (laughs) like that.
0: (laughs) Most French. Isn't it weird to think that with five, literally five minutes to go, Japan were on the French line looking for a losing bonus point. And then they go and concede two more tries down the other end.
1: It was actually a really interesting example of like, it wasn't that the sort of like underdog team weren't fit enough. And that's why Hmm. France scored three tries at the end. It's that Japan weren't giving up. Yeah. Like, all of mm. my sort of chronological notes are just like, Japan still somehow playing. Why are Japan yeah. still going? <laughs> they 21 points down. <laughs> That's like, one minute to go. Why? The clock has gone red. Why are they trying to score? <laughs> it was just so, you know, like the reason they lost so badly is because they were so unwilling to mm. give up. Yeah. It just like a and really quite amazing thing.
0: That Nale try, and even more so, I guess, the Pope try, they just looked so tired. Before we go on to that, there's a there's a great moment in which actually, as I say, Japan are looking for a losing bonus point. They've just coughed up the chance and they clear it long and they manage to, off second phase, work an overlap and it looks like they've actually got a really, really good chance. Yeah. And then they pass it to Ryan Nicholas, who just drops it under no pressure. <laughs> and they also, as well, there's a similar moment around that time when I forgot his name. was the big fat Samoan <laughs> lad they brought off the bench. Tupayeli. In the Uppay- yeah. Yes, Tupayeli. Who, he can catch the ball, but he, he just like, I'd forgotten. Tunnel vision. Yeah. I'd forgotten this era of centres they
1: picked because they were big and couldn't pass. He was a a Japanese
0: Bastaro, wasn't he?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Except Bastaro did have some talents. Yeah. I'm not sure this guy did, really. No, yeah.
0: Cause there's a moment where he runs into someone and they kind of bounce off him, but he doesn't doesn't give up. So he begins running sideways until he can find someone smaller to run into, and he then begins to run into them. And the thing is, he looks over, he sees Onozawa, who is the quickest man in the field, is completely unmarked. Yeah. And if he gives the pass, fine, grand. You know, like Onozawa's away, he's only got the fullback sure to be. I think. Yeah. yeah. And like we then see that after he's tackled and he knocks the ball on, he kind of scoops it forward as though he was trying to pass it forwards to Onizawa. And we see Onizawa then takes it and he tries to run downfield. And he, he's in the process of beating the fullback when it's called back. And you just, if he could have passed, or if you'd played it nowadays and players like him weren't allowed, you weren't allowed to be a centre you literally yeah. can't pass.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised Steve Walsh didn't ban that at any point. Yeah. As well. so, You're too fat, sorry. I <laughs> need to go off. Sorry, make me shit. The get, ball, off. get off my face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your fingernails are dirty. Go <laughs> get sorted. Yeah.
1: yeah, you know that like amazing anecdote about uh, getting Jenkins once, like a waterboy came on and he just went over and grabbed the coach <laughs> yes. mic and yells like, "Get this player off! He's playing shit!" And whoever the coach is, substitutes whoever the player is. Like, I cannot, in some ways, believe that Steve Walsh has never done the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> What are you doing? Get this fucking idiot off my face! <laughs> He's ruining my
0: game. <laughs> he referees Dan Parks and just goes, "No, no, 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 you're not playing like no, that." <laughs> my leadership. I'm, I reckon at some point Steve Walsh and Geth and Jenkins have done that and like called on each other. Just like, can we get yeah. a new ref? And can we get loosened? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That'd be great. Um, so you told that Papé try? Yeah, that was gloriously mental. Obviously, at this point, you don't really want France to score. Because you're thinking, oh come on, let's see Japan get a point, and then in comes Morgan Power, just doing weird sidesteppy things, which I've never really seen him do before. Yes. And Yashvili with what I would coin a very disrespectful reverse pass <laughs> to set up a try, yeah. oh,
1: outrageously so. Yeah,
0: there was that point though, with about the last top sort of, 15 minutes, Yashvili just dedicated his entire game to just doing reverse passes. <laughs> he was so committed to it,
1: which is such a like such an odd flex, but it's like the you've been under a lot of pressure for quite a <laughs> substantial part of this yeah. second night. Like, now is not the time. You know, like, if you were 50 points up, sure, do whatever mad shit you want, yeah. Yeah. be as disrespectful as you like. But like, you're not, you were quite close here to being tied. Why are you doing this?
0: But Yashvili was a proper shit house, though. Like, he, he was doing it clearly because it would be yeah. disheartening for the Japanese players. Oh, yeah.
1: And also, I think, because he knew that he couldn't be taken off. Yeah, because that's true. I was true. already on the pitch. I like, what the fuck are you going to do? Yeah. Like, how are you going to stop me? Yeah. <laughs> well, you're still like like, do something. I'm Yashvili shit. I yeah.
0: My favourite Yashvili story is a quick tangent. Freddie Burns' first European Cup game. Like, Gosses has in the corner against Birrits. And he goes to take his first conversion and he can't find his tea. Uh, and so yes! he has to just put it on the yes! floor and kick it. Yeah. And then a few minutes later, Beerits score, and Yashvili lines up the shot, and he stole and burns his tea. And the best thing is, he didn't need the tea, he stole it because he knew they had a debut on 10 and it would get in his head.
1: And I just say, I knew this anecdote, and I'm pretty sure it's because Will told me.
0: Yeah, right. I
1: think I did. It okay. made, made that even funnier. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is amazing. That's, that's a great it a bit like Who was it who, was it who stole Marotoji's? Uh, oh, says, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. 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 Also outstanding. That's I was, what a did yeah. move. <laughs> this is
0: great shit Shithousery <laughs> World Cup.
1: There's Especially also... throwing it like, throwing the <laughs> extra bit away. <laughs> no, no.
0: <laughs> just as he's reaching for it. Yeah, and it turns you goes the rest of the game without putting it back on.
1: Teeny, tiny Vincent Rattez and the longest like player in the world. stretching, <laughs> 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 but not hard. Oh, it's amazing.
0: <laughs> There's also a moment, just on the pape try, where... As Pape's about to go over the line, Van Zonclair points at the trial line and points to put it down. as like, a, this is what you're doing. This is what you do now. Like, Don't I need punch to anyone you. now, Pascal. Yeah. And it's like, in a way, I thought it was patronising, but then I realised if Van Zonclair was in a line-out, he'd want a few words of advice from <laughs> Pascal Pape. Yeah. So it's like, a, this is what I do. I realise this isn't your area, Pascal. It's from more than one yard out. Don't get angry. Yeah. <laughs> You put it it's down. Normally, I when I do this, the team is wearing green and it's the last five minutes. But otherwise, I think,
1: I think that was the try as well. One of the commentators was like, that's not a bad finish. And I was like, what is your scale? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, what's zero on the scale? <laughs>
0: I was thinking of that Joe Van Niekirk one. It must be on YouTube and stuff. Where he oh. he goes to dive and he slides onto his knees and then slides across slowly. He does like a, it's almost like an IKEA furniture thing. He slowly unpacks himself onto the ground. Yeah, he was the perfect midpoint between Year Six Score Disco and Chris Ashton.
1: Guys, <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to watch this now. I exactly understand what happened. <laughs> the perfect description. I've always kind of quite respected Ashton's like his finishing style because I've never seen him fuck it up yeah yeah I also Everybody wonder wants him to. how much has he practised mm. never fuck it up mm-hmm. like, imagine what else he could do with the time he's spent practising that
0: <laughs> learn to tackle
1: yeah maybe he could become like a world class kicker maybe he mm. could scrum <laughs> there's so many possibilities of the things oh. that he could have turned his hand to imagine
0: tight head Chris Ashton it's called Dylan Hartley, isn't he? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> no, because Dylan Hartley doesn't have the redeeming feature that Chris Ashton has, which is like lovable more than accent.
0: Yes, fair point. Yeah.
1: You really, really hate him on the pitch. It's exactly the same with Farrell. And he gets off the pitch and I'm like, oh, yes, I'm <laughs> <in it." laughs> Still so strong. I'm one you of know? the six people
0: who likes Chris Ashton. I'm the only I'm, one. I'm one yeah.
1: of the six. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think
0: I'm, I'm one of the I, I think so I think
1: Hoffman here <laughs> <Tyle>. <laughs> it's still the half his wife and two daughters
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I think they all live in Wigan either way but
1: yes. I don't know I just kind of respect him yeah
0: yeah. it's his the way he plays I love those support lines like yeah. they they do slightly funny
1: things to me it's like you can it's like an easy thing to say about him but nobody does it that well no, yeah.
0: no, I've never like, seen
1: anyone else Char- Charlie Morgan wrote an article on it last week, I think, or the week before. Yeah. And I was like, I don't even know why you bothered to include anyone else in this. Like, why would you not just make an entire article devoted to every so support that I mean, Chris Ashton? Yeah. I mean. <laughs> There's no need for anyone else. Like... I,
0: it was Charlie Morgan's bit when he analysed his performance off the bench against South Africa a couple of years ago. And he said that he'd ran, I think it was like 300 metres without the ball in the 10 minutes he was on the pitch and four with yeah.
1: it. yeah. But all the... of the stuff he does like, that's what's so amazing about him yeah. like, that ridiculous way that he just embarrassed every top try scoring record they'd been in the top 14 in his one yes. season yeah. he was like oh yeah it's just because like, semi ran he the game in the ball and it's like yeah but you like ran something mental every game yeah. to always be there on his shoulder when he had the ball
0: like, exactly oh he's so good yeah, um, he's remarkable mm, he's a completely different player to the ones playing in this game uh, but, you know, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I hate tangents. I don't think we should ever go on long tangents. How
1: did I... we get to that one?
0: How did we get to doing yeah. half an hour on Uncle Boo and me who can recall his past lives? That's oh, but, yeah. Though, yeah. yeah. so, actually, on England players, should we pick up on the punditry?
1: Right. Yes. Because can I say the great one? I do understand, in general, why they always do the pivot of, like, let's talk about England. Mm. Like, it's infuriating and it's hilarious. But obviously most of their audience is English. Like, fine, I get it. And I get it in this game that England-Argentina was next and that was probably the big game of the day and all the rest of it. But, and I wrote it down and went back to check that I'd heard it correctly, straight after the kickoff, from Japan's first try in the second mm. half. So the game is finally poised... The momentum is with Japan. It's all there for an amazing World Cup story. And the line is, there is an Englishman involved in the contest tonight, the assistant referee on this side. <laughs> who
0: I'd never heard of as well.
1: Nope. No idea who this guy is. Like, what? And it was so, like, there was no context for it. It's not like before the trial happened and someone was talking about England. Like, it was just nothing at all. It was like, I don't know what no. to say. So... <laughs> and... I Yeah,
0: and in 2008, he had a train journey. He stopped in Nottingham and bought a pasty in Greg's. That's <laughs> <laughs> the
1: crowbar in somewhere. I mean, honestly, I, if that had happened, I would have had more respect for the crowbaring. Yeah. Nottingham would have made it funnier and more worthwhile. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. At halftime, as well. So, one
0: of the punches I think we'll we'll very much touch on. But there was also Francois Pina who. Great respect for him, you know, wonderful captain and generally very good pundit. But he has one moment, I just enjoyed the phrase, where he began talking about Dimitri Yashvili and you could see the sentence getting away from him as he went on. And he then just said, and he plays and he sort of stops for a moment and realizes he he's got no idea what he's going to say and he just repeats himself. He plays and then he stops and kind of by this point, the clip they were showing of him has stopped and got back to him. And he just says, he plays wonderful rugby <laughs> Because <laughs> he couldn't work out what he was
1: going to say, a
0: lovely sentiment.
1: It's yeah. kind of like someone had said to him, you know, in his first, just before his first gig, like if you ever get stuck with what to say, just either pivot to he plays wonderful, rugby, yes. or, he hasn't played, you know, like and in that moment of panic, his mind <laughs> just went back to wonderful. Rugby. Yeah. <laughs> I really like François Pino as a pundit, mm. partly because mm. I think he does a really great job, aside from all the technical stuff. Of looking very relaxed and very suave, yes. and there's always someone sat yeah. next to him who looks like they're trying really hard to be relaxed and suave, and really fucked off by how much better Francois is doing I also
0: 100% Yes, I also am a fan of Francois Pinault's punditry. He's a wonderful pundit. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yes, um... uh... The thing about Francois Pino as a pundit though is I'm always worried he's going to like pick up a pen and just kill someone next to him then wonder how he did it because he's Matt Damon and that's what he does in the Bourne movies. <laughs> uh, there's a little little, little little Invictus joke for you.
1: In this scenario, I would have been alright with that outcome. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just stabbed Elagio in the throat <laughs> and no value is lost. The does remains exactly the same quality the as it was. The
1: just quickly pans to Danny Care's buttonless shirt. Yeah. That <laughs> stays there for even longer than it already was. So yeah, let's
0: let's let's talk about Danny Care's buttonless Care's shirt.
1: <laughs> Honestly, He's... I think it had no buttons. Yeah. There's no think... excuse for how deep it was otherwise.
0: It's a proper plunging neckline, isn't it? Like, it, there's, there's cleavage on show.
1: It's the kind of, like, you couldn't wear a bra with an neckline that I
0: No. Oh, no, absolutely it's, not. Like
1: You couldn't even wear, like, a fancy, well-constructed sort of deliberate. Like, no. No underwear in that shirt. <laughs> absolutely
0: not. It's the kind Those of neckline you get on, like, like at the Oscars. You know, I'm expecting, like, a flamboyant man from the E! Network to come on and critique yeah. it. Like, <laughs> it's it should be, like, rose petal shirts.
1: Or oh, on some sort of ridiculous yacht in Ibiza, and you've, like... What? Put on your shirt to pretend yeah. that you've got dressed, and you just like really so casually do one button at the bottom. Like, yeah, you can still see. Daniel. This was it. This in was a my, TV first,
0: studio. my first thought when I saw It's like, has Danny Kaye just invented Love Island? <laughs>
1: <laughs> has Danny Kerr been flown in from a from Love Island yeah, like, on a yeah. yacht somewhere?
0: I also found that Danny Kerr was sporting the most locked down haircut I've ever seen. Yes.
1: Yeah. I had all around <laughs> from Danny Kerr, really, visually.
0: Oh, but wait, because he he missed the World Cup. He missed this World Cup with an injury. But did that injury stop him be able to do up his shirt properly? Like Was that, was that it? Could he not? <laughs> did he injure both hands? He injured both <laughs> hands. It's a really <laughs> specific free game. So did Ryan is that, Nicholas. Is
1: that the only shirt yeah. he owns? Like, do we have a casual T-shirt? He... <laughs> or a polo? The oh, wardrobe? He...
0: He turned he up in awesome. just Quinn's kit. He hadn't got changed since the game he got injured. Lots of flip-flops in yeah. <laughs> 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 Next to <laughs> François Pinard being poised.
1: More um, impressive than Danny Kerr. He was also doing a very unconvincing uh, like recline. Yes. Which just accentuated the terrible shirt and the fact that I don't think his blazer are fitting very well.
0: No, no, he did And
1: I think that was probably
0: deliberate to accentuate the shirt. The shirt, yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah you I think the escape. years have been
0: kind to Danny Kerr.
1: I think that yeah, he looks a lot better. Yeah, because yeah. he kind of looked
0: like he was trying too hard, even if his shirt was done up.
1: The, yeah, there was a strong like teenager trying to look like an adult vibe mm. about it, mm. like failing miserably. You know, <laughs> way.
0: He's got his fake ID to get into the studio. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like I'm mean, here as a pundit. I've got to like I've got to look grown up. I've got to be. I've got to say smart things. <laughs> I've got to have like my dad's blazer, <laughs> and my
0: <mom's> <laughs> <laughs> The other thing on the half time break was I wanna quickly mention the adverts because there's there's one advert in particular, which was a a squirrel watching The Hacker. I don't know if either you watched this or you skipped the adverts.
1: No, I skipped the adverts. No. I kinda I was I was sort of only half paying attention. I just, yeah. I didn't remember there being a an Inexplicable Squirrel. <laughs> it's a great
0: band name. Great. I wasn't a fan of the second album, Inexplicable Squirrel. But
1: yeah, so there's just there was just an advert
0: where it was just a squirrel watching the hacker and talking about how scared it was, but the squirrel was alone in the living room, which seems to imply either the squirrel broke into the house and had erected a tree there for it to live in, the squirrel was being kept as a pet and could speak English, or the squirrel owned the house. Which is like a true kicking dirt in millennials, isn't it? Like you can't afford a house, but this bloody squirrel can.
1: <laughs> I think at this point we should consult with the mouse, who might
0: have <laughs> it's a, a rodent inside. The mouse has actually just got itself a new home. Who is in a house, <laughs> and it's it's going to be the? I was going to say it's going to be the cemetery around the corner from me, but that sounds really that sounds like going to kill it. Is that the inexplicable squirrel album? <laughs> yes, <the> cemetery, <laughs> the cemetery around cemetery the corner. Around the corner is
1: locked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Famous Smith cover band in many ways, inaccessible soil. <laughs> I
0: I think does that about cover us? Do we have any other thoughts? Anything else we want to bring up on France v. Nippon?
1: I only have one thought. Okay. For obvious reasons, I think. And I wrote it not only in my actual notes, but in my summary notes. Mm-hmm. That uh Rougerie gets completely offended at one point. Yes. And not only is it not A card. It's not even more of a penalty than the one given for in at the side. I just watched it and I was like, "Okay." (laughs) There's a few.
0: There's a few high tackles completely ignored as well. That you look at and now it's a penalty. That's a yellow card. But I mean, I
1: think in general, I kind of have a rule like, especially for anything further back than 2015, I'm mm. like, don't even bother. Yeah. Not even bother trying to be like that would be a red card now. Like there'd be no players on the pitch. No. No yeah. But given what happened later in a game that France played in that very same World Cup, <laughs> it was a little mm. bit on the nose.
0: That didn't happen. Yes, but that is a complete watershed moment, isn't it? that yeah. Sam Warburton tackle.
1: Well, so I do always say like when people were complaining about the the high cards and the red tackles mm. in the last World Cup, I would just kind of say constantly like, you know what. Get fucked! You are talking to a Wales fans who all, well, most of at least, kind of say like, "You don't see tip tackles anymore because of that red card." It was a good thing; it had a good impact on the game. Yeah, like, was arguably a little bit unfair <laughs> context <because> of the <laughs> tournament but the net impact has been a good thing. Like it ruined our yeah. game; we lost the game. But you know, if, if if those red cards in that World Cup had the same impact, that would be a good thing. But also, yeah, not even a penalty. No. Yeah, it was um, it was bloody, you know, Rougerie and beautiful hair.
0: Rougerie yeah. does have beautiful Steve hair. Steve Walker felt, you know, a concern yeah. for that. Oh, mm. Yeah, I Steve's jealousy, looking at that, walking on the pitch and having the third most beautiful hair once Szczesny's come on. Yeah, Perhaps I wonder he was, if he like, gave any sympathy. You are really in with your beautiful hair. <laughs> I'm glad you've got mud in it. Yeah. <laughs> Possibly some blood. <laughs> Maybe that was why I started laughing at Tran Duke, because he had a little envy towards his hair at first, like, oh, I need this guy to screw up. He scored a try,
1: he looks beautiful. I don't see how your immediate response to the existence of Tran Duke cannot be to laugh. Like, I don't, yeah. think- <laughs> I don't think it needs more than that, like, he's just, yeah, uh, that's funny. He exists, and, it's
0: hilarious. Tron Duke has the haircut of someone that has one line in lay Miz. <laughs> That i'm glad that yeah. sentence stopped there <laughs> yeah that's, that's as far as i'm going on this another one Don't, if you let me carry on, on the tom hooper tangent and let me bring up cats we're done no. we're done we're doing another four hours but i'm not going to mention the c word um or the word cunt but instead i'm going to move on to the hi mom <laughs> 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 hi john Kerwin's 82 year old mother who would very much be my man of the match, which I think we'll move on to now. Oh,
1: oh I That's... totally forgot about
0: this. So did I, to be honest. Aye. I'm not going to lie. Get thinking. Get thinking. I've got mine, so okay. shall I lead on this while you're thinking? Please. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, my man of the match. One contender, I guess, was Yashvili for mostly just doing filthy stuff towards the end. Mm. But in the end, I went with Cedric Caiman because he would often start counterattacks when Japan started looking a bit competent mm. and suddenly he'd just go, you know what, the way we beat these guys is with mad shit. So yeah, I've picked he, Cedric He Caimons. was definitely
1: one of the individuals who was like, I'm just going to take charge for a while now, lads." Yeah. yeah. Let me just deal with the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have any of you got a man of the match yet or should I continue? So I think I've kind of got two contenders in mind and I think so, Fumi Tanaka, I thought, was outstanding for Japan and a huge factor in everything yeah. they did well. Like gotcha. that. We didn't mention that second Arledge try, but that's entirely just the speed he gets them playing at. Yeah. And he then. And yeah. Arledge, of course, hitting a crash ball and leaving both Franz Duke and Aronordike on the floor.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was. Yeah. I mean, I physics. Think, I think Arledge might be my man of the match for that. Yeah. Like, leaving Aronordike in his weight like that was just absolutely superb. Fair play. Uh, and scoring
0: the weirdest try of the tournament so far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: The double whammy of, like, ridiculously funny accidental try and knocking down a mad bastard. <laughs> and... Especially because it was, like, his first World Cup game and they, like, kept zooming in on him to see how nervous he was and stuff. <laughs> oh. Really mean.
0: <laughs> Bless him. Um, my other contender, speaking of bastards, is Leon Nale, who I thought was great mm, and was. did all the second-row shit as well as just delighting in joining in backs moves and then being a shit out about it and just kind of like he didn't throw a punch but i was half expecting him at any moment he could try and sidestep someone and punch them as though he was being it was that kind of game it sums up nally so well because you'll have like your 10 will pass to him in a loop round and think, like, oh yeah this is going to look good we can send it to somebody out the back nally will just every time dummy back to the 10 and just think no, i'm running into somebody here to yeah. <laughs> passing this ball you're not getting it back
1: I do think also, for the same reasons uh, that you gave Will, Maxime Medard was quite yes. good. He did lots of mm. kind of just like, I'm going to deal with this shit now. Yeah. yeah. Ran some really kind of nice lines, just imposed sporadically, but importantly, yeah. competently. Yeah, that's a fair call. Yeah. So, I like yeah. I covered well there. Yeah. Cool. But mm. now you have to start again, Will, on dick of the day. Because...
0: Okay. So... I'll start with my second choice stick of the day. My Mm -hmm. other contender was Dimitri Ashvili again (laughs) for a point in the second half where France had had loads of pressure on the Japan line and they were about five metres out. And Ashvili picks up from either a scrum or a ruck, picks up to go on the blind side on the right-hand side, drops the ball and tries to style it out as a grubber kick. And Steve Walsh just goes, no, 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 you knocked that on. (laughs) Showed him no mercy.
1: But... (laughs) honest, as always, Steve Walsh is a strong contender for
0: man of the match. Oh yeah,
1: very fair call. Cool.
0: Yeah, we've got to add like an asterisk of except Steve. Yeah, Walsh. except for yeah, Steve
1: Walsh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's
0: not fair my, that you my actual dick of the day, we haven't mentioned him yet, but it was David Scarella. Oh, yes, he was oh, in yes. Line. yes.
1: because,
0: because he came thing. on the pitch to turn the game, just as Franjois Andreu was starting to crumble. He got the ball three times, got turned over on all three of them. Including two knock ons, and then gets injured on his third touch and goes off. Para comes on, so he's replaced by Scrum off, who's playing out of position, who only goes and scores. So both the starting 10 and the guy who replaced him both scored, whereas all he did was get turned over.
1: <laughs> I did actually write, uh, because I knew that for the rest of the tournament, Para played at 10, and I could not remember mm. why. And I did actually write down, is this David Skreller character? Why power is at 10th? Of the <laughs> Before he got in jail. She's like, what the? I don't remember this guy. Why is he so fucking useless? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is why I don't remember him. Okay.
0: My oh, dick yeah, of the day. <laughs> Two votes for Skruller. Uh My dick of the day is, of course, the one and only Ryan Nicholas. Fair enough. And I also, so I went and actually recorded a clip from the commentary. Of Andy Gomezol when he began to praise Ryan Nicholas, and I think this sums up his game quite well. Nicholas is inspired
1: at in the moment. Oh, that. Ryan Nicholas, he stepped oh, out of the line oh, to rush oh, Trinduk, oh, missed him, but <laughs> <laughs> that's such a swerve! What was he doing before to describe him as inspired? <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> so yeah, well
0: he missed a tackle but never mind
1: trying his I would best. like Bless Andy Gavisle to commentate me playing with me, I think <laughs> it's fucking useless but <laughs> <laughs> all good
0: perfect I think that brings us to a close my mouse is very eager to go out and my mouse I've adopted him now very eager to go outside very eager to go out and see Uncle Boon who can recall his past lives the, he, the trap. He loves it. I'll drop the trap. It's fine. i I'll, I'll, I'll deal. I'll, I'll deal with you. We'll have words. Uh, <laughs> Rihanna, thank you very much for joining. Thanks, Rhiannon. <laughs> thank fun. you for
1: having me. This has been hilarious.
0: It's been educational. Yeah, yeah. We've all it's educational. We've all learned a lot about mice, about Uncle Boomy, who can recall <laughs> his past lives. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, Chris that's a,
1: can the you imagine? Patience.
0: Yes. About about squirrel-based bands, we've learned mm. about Danny Care. We've learned an awful lot, and hopefully, you'll hopefully
1: you'll... the listeners have learned something. Yeah. hopefully and not you'll to never tune in again.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Hopefully you'll join us to learn more again. Because hopefully we
1: we'll are join us on the Steve Walsh Appreciation. Podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. We're changing our target market. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest curriculum you'll ever come across, but. New branding. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you very much, and I'll say good night and leave a chance for you to say good night back. Good
1: night. Thank, thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars